0: broken world. Broken in the sense that things don't work the way that they were meant to. Broken because of our sin. The infinitely good and glorious God of holy love who created this world had to unleash his just judgment on it, had to, in response to sin. And that means that our lives in this world are necessarily filled with sorrows and sickness, and for all of us, eventually, death. But we also live in a redeemed world. Through the gospel, Christ has overcome the sin in this world, dealt with its curse in his body on the cross, and he has secured a super bright, wicked happy future for us where sin and its effects are gone forever. What's so cool is that that world has, in a sense, invaded this one. And so we can say with Christ's Apostle Paul, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed that gospel truth informs how we think about and engage with sickness illness physical struggle right now we know that our bodies are mortal and susceptible to all kinds of illnesses nobody skates free of that but when we get sick we don't despair we pray, of course, rightly for healing. God can do that if he wants. And we embrace, by faith, all the common graces of modern medicine, totally. But deeper than all of that, we know that God is sovereign over every cell in our bodies and that he superintends even sickness to humble us and grow us and prune us and change us, and loosen our grip on the garbage of this world. That doesn't make it easy to live with sickness and physical pain, it's awful, but it does animate us with a hope that carries us through. For my dad, this whole reality came fast and furious when, in his 70s, he was diagnosed with stage 4 prostate cancer. In this episode, he talked about walking through the ups and downs of all of it. My dad, Glenn Cruz, was always spry. Even in his early 70s, he could throw the softball around with you, or climb up a ladder and help install a ceiling fan, or slide under the engine of his beloved 56 Chevy. And so it was a real shock to his system when after wrestling with increasing bone pain for a prolonged season, he was diagnosed with prostate cancer.
1: Well, I would say maybe a couple of years ago, maybe 3 or 4 years ago, I've been noticing some pains in my lower back and my hand and I figured, well, you know, I'm in my 70s. It's kind of normal. And then it got more and more intense. And I talked to Margaret about it. And we said, uh, let's go see our doctor. Went to see our doctor in uh, Medford and sent us down for some blood tests. And uh, they came back. And my PSA was over the moon, like 8.9. And he was a little bit surprised because he's been my doctor for 15 years. And he never picked anything up on it. So he said that uh, you need to get some x-rays, you need to get an MRI, and we need to see where you are. So I'm a guy who, for a long time as a Christian, prayed for people with cancer, dealt with people with cancer, didn't know much about it. Nobody in my family ever had cancer, and I was a little bit shocked. When I found out that this cancer was really bad, it turned out to be stage 4 prostate could have been stage 100. I didn't know what that was, but I knew it was pretty serious. So mom says, well, you got to call the boys, and you have to call those friends that you really love and part of your family and pray and wait for the next couple of steps. I was going to get radiation, so on the MRI, what they do is they strap you down, and I says, well, I I guess I'm okay. Is it going to hurt? said, no, it's a little noisy, but it's not going to hurt. So they left, and they're watching me through the window, and Tick tick bang banging. They slanted me to the left, they slanted me to the right, slanted me to the left, stopped it, came in. Are you okay? I said, Yeah. Finally, after like an hour and a half, I says, All done, Mr. Cruz. I got up and man was I sick. Wow. I came out and the people who did it were young. I think they're more than twenty years old. They said, You did very good. You didn't jump, you didn't panic. What we have next is the next four complete nights, you're going to get radiation. Again, not as intensive as the first time. So I see Margaret. I hug her. I get my clothes on. We get downstairs, and I'm done. Where's the closest bathroom? Just threw up. Didn't even get to the bathroom. Just threw up. So sick, so weak. Got in the car, drove me home. So a little bit of terror and fear started to fill me. I didn't know whether I live, whether I would die. I didn't. Um, there was going to be no operation. We're going to start hormone treatment. Hormone treatment was one giant needle, size of a pitchfork, in your butt, and the hormones would block out any other advancement of cancer. Sort of like shutting the door. It doesn't go to your liver, your kidney, your lungs. And then at the same time, I got a bone shot to strengthen my bones in my right arm. So, you know, for a guy who hadn't really been sick, this was really something. And I looked at Margaret, looked at her, and we said, What's next?
0: One of the worst parts about my dad's diagnosis and early treatments was the timing. He was in and out of medical offices and hospitals right at the start of COVID. When we all lost our collective minds, policymakers especially, and we weren't even allowing wives to accompany husbands to doctor's visits and cancer treatments. It was crazy. This made a tough season for my dad even tougher.
1: In between that time, My legs, my calves got so swollen, I could hardly walk. Again, spoke to the doctor, says, you better get down to Beth Israel emergency room and see what what we're going to do about it. And of course, everybody knows during this time, COVID, COVID here, COVID there, COVID everywhere. And we got down there, Margaret drove me down, and it was packed. Waited in the uh, the the office room. Waited. Finally got me in and says, "Mrs. Cruz, you can't come in." Got me in the back one of the emergency rooms. In this little room in the back, and there I sat for ten hours, waiting to get over to the Beth Israel Hospital. Finally, these two women came by says, we're taking you over there, Mr. Cruz, and you had to go for by a uh, the ER by a the um, emergency van. They picked me up, they got me over there, and they got me in this beautiful room on the ninth floor facing the whole western part of Massachusetts. And as they wheeled me in there, I saw every room had a big yellow tape on it. Do not enter, do not enter, caution. And again, COVID was everywhere. At the same time, Matthew margaret and callie were outside and the only contact i had to them was either phone or a wave and we're talking dead of the winter covid everywhere and they're waving to me i'm i'm up in this room just like waving to them
0: everybody knows that medication has side effects you've read it on the label right and it totally stinks hey we're gonna fix this pain but we're also going to introduce a whole new set of other pains. Nothing was worse for my dad than when his hormone treatment or radiation, whatever it was, triggered a side effect of a ruptured hernia.
1: So here we are, we're home, and I had like a suitcase full of medicine. I might had have my own drugstore. And uh, one was for this, one was for that, and I'd fill him out and take him out, but. Some medications didn't work with others, and before I got into the electrical union, I had a hernia. I was born with it, and uh, I had to have it operated to be physically ready for the electrical construction work. So somehow, the medication must have moved in and around my body, and I was feeling tremendous pain down along my groin. And I don't know what it was, you know. But one night, I couldn't get it down. I was in the... You might as well shot me. I was just in such pain. I said, "Margaret, call Matthew. He's like, oh, he's taking me to the emergency room or something. So, he goes, okay, he comes over. What's the matter? This was like ten, eleven o'clock at night. So, I says, I got this hernia and I can't seem to get it down and it's killing me. Please call Suzanne. Suzanne was a nurse in our church and she was loud and wonderful. We were two loud people. She ran over. She came over. She said, what's up? I said, First of all, how's your cancer? So on and so forth. And I says, well, I got this other issue. It's a hernia I had a long time ago, but it's really hurting me. So here we are in my bedroom. Matthew's over here. Margaret's over here. The lights are on. We pull the blankets down, and she pulls my clothes off. You know? and I don't know this lady. <laughs> And she says, Okay, we're gonna push it down. It's gonna hurt. Do you wanna hold someone's hand? I said, No. So she says, No, I'm gonna push it down with my knuckles. So cause my knuckles get so she starts pushing it. I start I think I woke up the entire Melrose <laughs> it was so loud. She pushed it down and you could feel it just slide into the spot. So with all the medication, cancer Working on getting better. Fear here, all at all at the same time, believing and trusting God that He was with me. She got the down. Then she says, "You need to go to the emergency room tomorrow, as soon as you get, as soon as you can." We called up the doctor, told him he says, "Okay, get yourself over there." Here we are again, COVID, top of everybody. Margaret gets me to the ER again. She's not allowed in. So all of this stuff I'm dealing with, it's like I'm a solo trip. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and me. That's what it was. Margaret was never really allowed to be close. I mean, in all those cases, people who were suffering weren't allowed to have anybody close to them. Got into there. One hour, two hours, ten hours I was in the emergency room in pain. Finally, this nurse walked by, and somebody pushed me in the corner. She says, I'm going to get you in the back of the room that's not used. I'm going to set you up with an IV. And she says, I'm going to do you a favor. I'm going to give you a shot of morphine. She got me in the back, and I had called up a Christian brother, and I said, you need to pray for me till I get out of this and into a room. She gave me the morphine. She got me into the other room, and I don't know what happened because morphine is something they use in the Army for soldiers. I woke up, and I was in the room. The next day, doctors and nurses all around the room says, "Uh, we need to give you an operation, Mr. Cruz. Sign these papers been signing a lot of papers, and the nurse was so good, pepped me. And uh, the guy, everybody was saying, this doctor's good. Don't have any fear. He's worked on a lot of these cases. Got the operation. Margaret Kane picked me up, got me back home, and that was just a, a crazy time in that room with everybody. And once again, that affliction had been gone.
0: My dad likes his comforts. He's literally got a thermostat in each corner of his room to make sure that the temperature is exactly right before he falls asleep. He's a baby boomer, of course he does. And so this man made sure that his time spent in hospital rooms
1: was as at-home feeling as possible. Anybody who's gone to a hospital knows that the bed's terrible, the pillow's terrible, Blankets are terrible. So I called Margaret, I says, When you come by tonight, here's my little comfort package. I needed my pillows. I needed my blanket. I needed my sheet. I needed my C D with my discs. I needed my teddy bear. (laughs) And she came that night, of course she's still not allowed in. And The nurse says, what? Look at this package of stuff I got to bring upstairs. So she says, could you please do it? So she brought it upstairs. She says, well, here's all your goodies. And I was like so excited. I set the whole room up. I had my own little hotel. And you had a nurse every 12 hours. So that nurse left and the the night nurse came in. She says, what is this? I says, well, I'm a comfort freak and I need help. (laughs) So... God was so good, he gave me lots of great nurses, and every nurse who came in, I gave him a scripture verse, I wrote it on the wall where the name was. So that was really good. We all know that the real comfort that we
0: need in times of illness is not material, or even necessarily physical, but spiritual and communal. And so it was so sweet to watch as so many folks rallied to my dad's side over the course of
1: his cancer treatments. Okay, obviously I needed a lot of care and comfort, and many, many years ago I had a good friend of mine, Bob Santilli. He was a pastor in Brooklyn, he moved to Jersey, and we bonded together for many, many years in our church in Brooklyn. And Bob says, what's up? I told him, look, i got stage 4 cancer, working on it, and he said, okay, let's pray. That was the beginning of almost a daily conversation for over a year and a half, praying for one another. And at the same time, his wife fell down a set of stairs, so I was praying for him. And then he introduced us to Tedio 365, which is a daily devotion. And Mark and I did it every morning for almost two years. And then we shared the... Devotion back and forth. So, I just want to uh, be thankful to God for Bob. He's been a great comfort, and I also don't want to leave out our longtime, everlasting friends, Naris and Vicky. Grew up with them, with their friends, with our with our kids, and how they prayed for us and loved us and cared for us, and that we actually went down to visit them, and they came up to visit us. So, that was a great time of care and comfort. In addition to that. There were many phone calls from people from Seven Mile Road. How you doing, Glenn? Anything we could do? And and another great thing. On our porch during the summer, we just sat there and a lot of people from church came by. There was a family up the corner, Dave and Kelly Christensen and their daughters, Tatum, Eva, and Charlotte. Margaret and I taught them Sunday schools, so we knew them well. Every time the Veterans Day came by, they came by with drawings of me in the Army and flags and soldiers, and they asked me if they could come by and read to me. I said, sure. So at the same time, people were dropping Gatorade by and candy bar and fruits, and such a great seven-mile road was so good to us. So they come down the streets around the corner and they bought a bunch of books. They know I love trees, so they bought books about trees. And they were reading every page. And then I don't know which girl it was. Maybe it was Tatum. She bought a book about cats because she know I love cats. And then the other one bought a book about other sets of animals. So we were sitting on the porch, and it was a great, as they spent time of their life sharing with me reading. Margaret was over there in the corner crying, their mother was crying, and they were practically all sitting on my lap, so that was a, a real time of healing at that time, and uh, that God was so thoughtful that He would bring even the little kids. In Seven Mile Road, half the church is little kids. <laughs> so that was really, really good, and then, uh, that helped a lot in my recovery.
0: God is always at work for our good, even in allowing us to endure seasons of pain and sickness, even if that sickness is unto death. Because as Christians whose hope is in Christ, we know what follows sickness and death. I once heard Ray Ortland preaching on Isaiah's vision of the new world that is coming. Age upon age upon age of freedom from the curse of sin and all the sorrows that attend it, sickness included. And he said that at some point in that glorious, distant future, we will look at each other and say, Hey, do you remember something called cancer? What was that again? How did that thing work? My dad is holding fast to that
1: gospel hope. It was an emotional ride. I was up, I was down. And my nights are very, very hard even till now. Wake up. Not pain, but just just hard nights. So I learned to really connect with God at night. This is why I'm speaking to you right now because God laid on Matthew's heart when I first came down with cancer that Let's do a podcast. I don't know what a podcast was. I thought it was a, a fishing lure on a fishing line. I don't know. So Matthew uh, and I worked endlessly, hourly on the podcast. And uh, right now at my stage, we found out that, what was it, January 2023, that I can't use the term I don't have cancer, but my cancer... Is in total remission. Still get hormone shots every three months, bone shots, get an antiviral shot. Um, the only other lousy part of this, anybody's ever had cancer, know that it's like eating candy with all the medicine you get. You just stay faithful to it, and you stay steady with it, and you keep it. At that time, God gave me a verse, Revelation twenty one four that he will wipe every tear every pain every sorrow every sadness from our eyes and that he will make all things new
0: so there it is this is the last episode of the first season of yeah that's my dad i hope that you have enjoyed listening i hope that you have laughed a little and i really hope that you have had your soul strengthened if you know anybody Who would benefit from listening to these stories of grace in my dad's life? Please feel free to pass it on.